I'm not a fashion girl. I'm just not. I'm the friend that my friends know is absolutely going to show up in sneakers or flats. But thankfully, the two are not mutually exclusive. Personally, I think that being on trend doesn't matter as much as being comfortable and really just being in alignment with how I'm vibing at the time. And that's where style comes in. I describe mine as like a little hood hippie. I like a good pair of sweats, baggy jeans, oversized tops, flowy dresses, cutoffs, you know the mimes. But baby, when I put something together, I'm going to be sure that you know that I understand the assignment. Channel China Vintage is my absolute favorite boutique to shop. Their styles always knock. They always align with my vibe. As a vintage resale shop, it is sustainable fashion and not fast fashion. Also, I love a good price point. And because it's the holidays, I got you covered. I'm giving away a $50 gift card for you to shop at Channel China Vintage. Whether or not you forgot somebody on your Christmas list, if you personally are traveling for the holidays, or if you ended up getting a gifted trip, you know, that vacation, this is for you. Spend your money with Channel China Vintage and absolutely find the look that you want to present to the world. You can either go to the link in my bio at Travel and Shit, which is T-R-A-V-E-L, the letter N, S-H underscore T, or go to B-I-T dot L-Y slash T-N-S-C-C for your chance to win your $50 gift card to shop Channel Chana Vintage. Salutations and shit, folks. Welcome, welcome, welcome back to another episode of Travel and Shit, where I, your host, D. Carrie, have an experiential conversation about the nuanced ways that travel intersects with regular life. Um, so I was actually reading an, no, a National Geographic article about, um, future travel, if you will. And it was about virtual reality. So a couple of really decent points were made and I kind of got to thinking wheels turning. VR, virtual reality, the whole Oculus thing, the, um, there was a Google app that they had mentioned, um, that has some kind of VR capabilities. And so I began to wonder, like, I wouldn't do that. Like, would I do that? No, it's not the same. Cause I'm not there. I'm not doing it. It's about being in the mix and all the other kind of shit. But then I was, I was reading, it kind of just clicked on me before I got to them explaining it. I'm like, I'm not the only person in the world. There are so many people that this can actually benefit. And it is a bit of a privilege or it comes from, because regardless of whether or not you mean malintent of, of your privilege does not negate the fact that there still is privilege. As a black woman, I know this about white privilege. You don't have to be a bad person to benefit from white privilege. And I don't have to be a bad person to benefit from the privilege of having the actual funds to go traveling. I may not have the funds to do um, travel in ways that luxury travel or, um, you know, yet extensive travel where I can pick up and go whenever I want. I'm not there yet, but I'm very much so able to afford to get myself places that I have on my list or, you know, places that I deem interesting or, um, 
within reason for me to travel, right? So I do come from a place of privilege where I am able to fund said travels. But there are plenty of people that virtual travel could benefit. You've got your disabled folks that are, you know, bound to a bed or that are elderly. They had mentioned that nursing homes, uh, the article was from April, 2020. So full year later, but well, more than a year later, but you know, they had mentioned that one of the major, I guess, buyers, if you will, of the virtual travel had shifted from companies and tourism boards using virtual travel to sell a destination to get travelers to actually want to go in real life that shifted to say a place like nursing homes. And I think something like virtual travel in a nursing home is genius idea at this, at that later stage in life where people are on a very restricted uh, financial budget or limited to mobility concerns and issues and may not be able to do the hike that they would want to do. They can still see what it would look like at the summit of a mountain or um, on a volcano tour or just a hike anywhere. You know what I mean? They're able to see what they may have enjoyed in their youth or something that they've never seen before. Um, People that are sick and shut in, people that are physically unwell to the extent that they aren't necessarily able to, you know, engage with the public or be out and about in public spaces like they would want to, whether it be like agoraphobia, agoraphobia, um, fear of crowds and people and shit like that, and or social anxieties that keep them, um, it made me think of that movie that is, has been sitting for quite some time in our, um, watch later list. Uh, it's this, what is it? The woman across the street or the woman upstairs or something like that. I want to say, I don't know if it's Amy Adams or Isla Fisher. I always confuse the two, but we started that. And one of those things that we start so many movies and just, I, I forget. I don't go back to it. Um, but people that have social anxiety or people that are unable or unwell enough to get out and about and experience the world firsthand for themselves, this could be like a really beneficial experience for them so that they don't, you know, everybody deserves travel. Everyone deserves access to the world. The world is, the world should not be you know, sectioned off and certain places for some people, like democratize the world. It's for everybody. Everybody gets to equally enjoy it and experience it and, um, you know, leave their part. But because it is, ah, isn't that a conundrum? Because it is democratized, capitalism has been able to, um, I guess that does, does that really mean that it's democratized then? So what is that? uh, That's something else I'm going to add that to my list of things to just kind of look into in terms of being democratized, democratization. Does that necessarily mean that it is for all the way it says it is or all in the sense of what a democracy actually represents as opposed to what it's theoretically supposed to represent. Well, let's assume that it represents what it should represent and that being that it is of equal access to all. That's what the world is. The world should not be segmented and divided into parts and places where it's okay for some people to go and not okay for others, or you don't have enough, you can't afford this, or you can't do that. It's one thing for services, right? You either can afford or not afford a product or a service, which is fair um, because someone is actively putting in that work to do something. However, spaces and places are a different thing, Um, especially when it comes to natural resources or, um, you know, natural, naturally occurring, I won't say necessarily phenomenon, phenomena, um, but more so 
if a person didn't make it, not whether or not a person made it accessible, because while I think a person making it accessible shouldn't take away the access to people who could not afford to compensate the people that made it accessible, if it's a naturally occurring, if it's a natural if it's a naturally existing space or place, I believe that it should be accessible to everybody. For example, um, Inkpots, one of the most beautiful sites I'd ever seen in my traveling life um, in Alberta, Canada. It is gorgeous. It's naturally occurring. It happened on its own. I think everybody should have access to that. Whether or not it is, you know, maintained by a park service or whether or not the trail is, you know, kept clean and all of that is marked by people, you know, I get that, that, that is a, that in that case is a service that's provided, but at the same time, it's just like, who are we to then just restrict or even put gates around what is naturally occurring. You see what I'm getting here? So I just kind of feel like the world is open to everybody. And that being the case, I really think that, you know, people that can't necessarily afford to pick up and go like many of us can, whether it be for child support reasons, whether it be for, you know, credit reasons, whether or not your gar- uh, wages are getting garnished, um, from collections, whether or not you have alimony or child support that you're paying, Um, whatever reason you have for your funds, not all being yours or your funds being, um, you know, limited it in terms of experiencing the natural wonders of the world. I feel like anything that's a natural wonder should naturally be afforded to everybody to experience, but we all know that that's not the case. Something that is a natural wonder in India isn't accessible to someone that can't afford or, someone that can't legally leave the country, whether or not it is because you are on like an expired visa or whether or not it is because you owe so many debts that there is a freeze on, you know, your travel for some reason, or, you know, there is something that comes up or even if you have say like a number of felonies or something and you're not allowed to travel or you're not allowed to access a certain country because of restrictions that they have on people that have criminal records for whatever reason. Like there are plenty of reasons why you may not be able to travel and virtual travel can absolutely give you access to, you know, seeing a lot of things that you may not have been able to do had it been left to you and your own devices. Um, whether or not it helped, Another thing that it mentioned, because I'm looking over my notes, mobility impaired, sick and shut in, cost restrictive, legal issues and can't travel. But then there's also the issue of conservation. One of the things that they mentioned in the article was that, you know, the idea of virtual travel makes it so that the natural grounds that people are frequently visiting don't have to be trampled on, trampled on and, um, impeded on. So Machu Picchu is one of those sites that I heard back when I was in Peru, I want to say in like 2019, that, uh, they were going to be closing it down soon because it was just eroding because of over tourism. There were too many people that were going to see the location and it started to affect the grounds so that it was kind of deteriorating. And they, I'd heard that they were, you know, not necessarily, I didn't hear anything in terms of like limiting access, but I heard that at a certain point it wasn't going to be accessible. Like it was just, they were going to shut it down at some point for some, somehow. I didn't care to really dig into that part uh, any deeper while I was there, but I knew that there were going to be limitations on being able to visit the destination. So it was sad that I didn't have enough time to do the hike or to do the tour and to see it for myself. But that being said, because of over tourism, virtual travel absolutely has the opportunity to 
reserve and conserve a lot of the grounds that, you know, people people in has kind of fucked up over time. So I think that between people that wouldn't necessarily have access, being able to have some access to a space or a location and being able to preserve these natural wonders of the world for as long as possible by limiting the number of people that are physically um, in the locations and, you know, continually just walking over ground. It's going to, you're going to walk it away. I don't know what the actual word is for that. I'm certain there's a word, but I feel like y'all get my point. You consistently walk over a surface and not just like you, one person pacing back and forth across, like on your carpet when you're on your phone or whatever. That's the thing. Like there are some people that pace when they talk. My dad is a pacer. If he's on the phone, he will get up out his seat and now be pacing around the house. Like he will walk, walk, walk. I've seen people at my job while they're on the phone, they're moving. They're not just sitting still. Um, so that's the thing. But that being said, people walking over a certain terrain and we're talking thousands of people over, you know, the course of years, there's going to be damage. Um, so virtual travel does have the potential to lessen the effects of people, people, and it has the potential to lessen the damage that people by the nature of, you know, consistent and heavy traffic, um, deteriorating, it has the option, has the opportunity to lessen that and preserve these spaces for a much longer time so that future generations and us in the future get to hopefully enjoy these spaces. Um, but then another point that they brought up in the article was who all is making these spaces? So consider a local to an area and then consider the CEO, if you will, of the company that is uh, funding the virtual reality aspect of it. Whose tour would you rather be on? Me personally, I, myself, me, I would rather be on the tour of the local. I personally love tapping in with locals. I prefer a local that was born in the location, but then you also have your locals that moved in a year ago, or the ones that have been there for like 25 years or that have been there for, you know, 30 years, better, whatever. Even somebody that's been there for like five years, three years, whatever. You have people that actually live there, make their money there, pay taxes there, have family, have friends, have, you know, um, responsibilities in an area versus someone that just owns a company in the area or someone that owns a company that does business in the area. Those are going to be two different perspectives. You have someone that is part of the landscape, someone that grew up there, someone that has stories to tell from 20 years ago, 10 years ago, um, versus someone that is a transplant there. Or, or even if they were native to the neighborhood or the area, what are your vested interests? interests about to say interests. What, what are your interests? Where is your money? Where does your attention lie? Whereas if you're a local, you may be more interested in preserving the culture, preserving the history and the stories that originate and that are of the land and the space that we're in. Versus if you're a CEO, you may be a little bit more concerned with the bottom line. You'd be more concerned with possibly, you know, leaving out less than favorable um, pieces of information or less than favorable views. Like if they are driving down, let's just say Myrtle Avenue in Brooklyn, they may completely disregard Ingersoll projects. They may completely disregard, you know, all the construction that's going on. They're going to disregard you know, the less than interesting or the less than pretty sites 
and focus on downtown development. They're going to focus on the new businesses, the fancy, clean, new grocery stores, the organic foods that are available there. And they're just going to completely ignore the fact that there is, you know, a entire community that varies across different socioeconomic backgrounds and, you know, uh, work experiences and, um, you know, societal ills, if you will, for the shiny stuff. And that really goes into creating an experience for someone to enjoy virtual reality. Right. So besides that, like, does a rich, I don't want to, I don't want to, I don't want to really phrase it that. Okay. So does a rich person have the same interest as me? Are we interested in the same shit, right? So, you know, one of those things that they always used to like making a point of when they had the conversation about how biased the SATs were, were something like a regatta. A regatta is a boat race. And I knew what a regatta was because I went to sleepaway camp and they had regattas at camp. We had boat races. It was a thing. I feel like there may have been a camp on the other side of the lake or some shit. I don't fucking remember. This was over 20 years ago. Um, but long of the short was that a regatta had I not gone to camp, no fucking way. I would have known what the fuck a regatta was because we ain't racing boats in the hood. We're not, we don't, I mean, unless they did it in like the pond, but nobody wants to do that either. Oh, I wouldn't put it past them. But that being said, different interests. Someone that is, you know, struggling to provide some basic necessities, maybe not all basic necessities, like you can maybe afford your rent, you can barely afford, like, I don't want to like wash the issue. Like, I don't want to beat the dead horse, but like, let's say, you are on a fixed income, right? So you're able to do like the the basics, like the bare minimum, like you can eat, you can get to work and you pay your bills, right? But you don't necessarily have a lot of excess money. So what's interesting to you or what may be um, enjoyable, I won't say what's interesting because a lot of things are universally interesting. Who didn't like, you know, Let's just think of a popular show or a popular movie. Um, I don't give a fuck how much you make. Spider-Man may be of fucking interest to you, right? So it's not that I'm saying that poor people like Spider-Man, but rich people don't. I'm I'm thinking things in terms of because of how much money you have, you have access to things that are exclusive to someone that makes this amount of money. Not that you have this much money, so your tastes are better. That's not what I'm saying. What I'm saying is because you have X amount of money or because you have disposable income in excess, you're able to participate and, um, you know, dibble and dabble in things that someone that doesn't have an excessive amount of disposable income may do. So while we all may be interested, I think that's the better way to put it. We all may be interested in a lot of the same shit, but at a certain point, like money fucking matters, right? So if you've got mad bread, your idea of what should be focused on or what deserves a little bit more attention may be different from regular motherfuckers. So who is creating these virtual reality experiences for people that would like to enjoy it. If you find yourself to be a common man, if you will, if you find yourself to be like a regular person or at least what society would deem regular, a couple of dollars here and there, you have a little bit excess so that you can do so that you can do things that you enjoy. Are you going to want to necessarily look through or be reminded or bombarded with places and experiences that you would not normally be able to afford in your regular life? I don't think I would, honestly. Maybe a little taste here and there just for shits and gigs to see what something um, might be like, but I would 
personally just rather doing things that I would be able to do in real life. I would want to have as close to a regular experience or as close to a genuine experience in travel virtually as well as in person. I would want to kind of align those to make it feel a little bit more authentic. But then you also have the other viewpoint where it's just like, nah, give me some wild shit that I probably wouldn't do in my regular life just so I can get that taste so that I can feel as if I'm getting that experience firsthand because otherwise I wouldn't be able to afford to do it. But because it's virtual, now I have access to do something or to see something that I wouldn't necessarily be able to do. Then you also have things that are, because they had mentioned like um, some prehistoric cave paintings in Southern France, right? And this is all from that one National Geographic article. What about from maybe the top of the Eiffel Tower or the top of the Empire State Building? That's something that people are curious to see what it looks like from there but aren't necessarily going to have access to the tops of these destinations or these buildings or to, you know, have the, the, well, not just time, but like a lot of things are just like restricted. Like they're unsafe for people to do in like mass quantities or it's unsafe for the art, like in the case of the, Uh, cave paintings. It's unsafe for people to be there, whether or not the environment or items that are being viewed are very delicate and just can't withstand a lot of people being near or frequent usage or frequent, you know, exposure to the elements. Or if it's something like it's really just unsafe for people to be this high up at this location or it's really unsafe because there is really no structure that keeps people secure or whatever, whatever the, the reason may be, you know, looking at it from like the different angles of that sense is kind of like, Hmm, well, maybe something like that. Whereas I would not be able to get that experience in my regular life. That might be worthwhile to me. Something that I know I wouldn't have access to as a regular human me. Um, that would be kind of interesting to maybe see um, cave paintings or like a fossil or an archaeological dig in person. That kind of sounds really badass. And now that I'm saying it out loud, I would probably be curious to, you know, peek over someone's shoulder and see what all is going on in that world. Um, Let's see what else that I have here. Yeah, so I'd hit those points. Who creates the experience? Whether or not there's a bias between um, rich and poor folks, a native person to the location is also going to just have, you know, personal stories that they can tie into hopefully getting to know you personally. Um, whether or not, and then that's another thing. How interactive are these virtual experiences? Am I able to ask questions? Am I able to converse with someone, am I getting a tour or is it me touring myself? Am I putting on the goggles and am I walking around what's going on or am I putting on the goggles and now my tour guide is either a virtual person or another person with goggles and now they're giving me a tour while we both have goggles and we're seeing the same experience. So that's kind of like, it would depend on the type of virtual thing, right? And then the next thing I was thinking is, what the difference between like seeing, doing, and like being, and just like, like the, seeing something and touching something are different, right? And so this is virtual reality, VR. You can see it, you can hear it, but you can't taste, you can't smell, and you can't fucking feel. So how much of your experience is really dependent on those senses? When you read a book, when you watch a movie, that's not necessarily, um, I guess you could say, paramount, right? When you're reading a story, you don't hear it. You don't 
smell it. You don't taste it. You don't feel it. You're reading it, but you're still able to very, very viscerally in some cases experience the story, like experience what is being given to you. And so then for me, it becomes a story. And I think that that is one of, this is a great example of the importance of a voice, the importance of connecting, because I feel like authors are really able, good authors are really able to connect with their audience so that they feel as if they are immersed in that world firsthand, as close to firsthand as they can. Um, So the idea of reading something, it's like, you're not reading. How do I put this? You're not reading a cereal box, right? You're not reading the nutrition facts on a bottle of a milkshake or something. When you travel, you are there. You're able to physically choose what it is you want to do. Do I want to go left? Do I want to go right? Do I want to go up? Do I want to go down? Do I want to stay right here in this space where I am? Because, you know, there are restrictions in person as well as, you know, within this virtual reality. But in the real world, you get to decide what actual response you're going to have. Do I stop here? Do I about face and turn around? Or do I take a detour left, detour right? Do I call someone and ask if they can remove the blockade and give me access to it? Whereas with a virtual reality experience, you are being given a um, a visual. You're given what your experience is. It's all packaged for you. So without knowing whether or not this is, and keep in mind, technology is a hell of a thing. Technology is consistently expanding. And while VR may look one way today, VR can look totally different three years from now, right? So consider, would it be more appealing to you or would it be more, um, I won't say okay, would you feel less, if you feel, again, consider your thoughts, if you feel a little hesitant to be like, mm, I want to do all of that computer stuff, just put me on a flight and get me there. Would you be more inclined to give it a try if you got to create and cater the experience to your interests, right? So what if there were also a storyline involved in the virtual reality? Because I think that we're able to enjoy movies so thoroughly and like in depth is because it is someone creating a world for us. They are, they're packaging for us. They are giving us a story. I really think it's in the story between a movie, an essay, an article, or um, a song, even choreography, dance. The artist is giving you what it is they want you to see, whether or not you see it the same way, whether or not it is, you know, digested and enjoyed or not. There is something that is being packaged and delivered to you. And in terms of virtual reality, am I going on a tour of Niagara Falls or Am I being given a tour or an experience that has a beginning, a middle, and end? Is there a story involved? Are we, you know, solving a riddle? Are we solving for Y? Are we solving for X? I don't know. That, however, is appealing to me. D. Carrie. If you were to give me like a choose your own adventure virtual reality tour where I got to kind of, you know, treat it like a video game, pick this up. Is there a weapon under the rock? Do I need to hold on to this and keep it? 
Or do I have to stop and talk to this shopkeeper? And the shopkeeper's story gives me more information. And now that I have this information, little pieces are being unlocked around the board and the game and shit like that. So that is interesting to me. But it's because there's a story. There's something for me to interact with and make choices with. There is something for me to either pick up or put down versus going on like a walking tour or a visual um, guide of a cave system of the catacombs or, you know what I mean? Like I would want to be able to, I'm also a toucher. When I go places, especially um, like buildings and more so, well, buildings as well, but also like natural settings. I love touching trees. Something about trees because trees are around for years, especially really big, really old trees. Ugh, special place in my heart because I just kind of feel like I'm a very energy person. And I believe that, you know, I don't necessarily want to transfer energies, but I kind of want to connect myself to different energies in a lot of instances. I remember most recently, uh, my last international trip was Guadalupe in January 2020. And I touched all the fucking trees, all the plants uh, within reason. You don't just go touching anything and with like poison ivy and stuff like that. But, you know, hey, guide, can I touch this? Is this okay? Is this safe? Will I die? Will I lose a finger? That being said, I love a good like tree touch just because I feel like they if they could tell a story, if they could just talk to me about the things that they have seen about the ways things have changed and just about, you know, their experience as a tree. It sounds stupid, but it's interesting to me. These are things I think that being said, if I could choose a virtual reality experience where I got to, you know, have a story told to me, or if I got to make decisions based on what's in front of me, stop, go, yes, no, more, less, stuff like that. I think I would be able to enjoy that experience. But if you're just like walking me through something or just pointing things out as if we're walking through a museum, I'm I'm not as interested. Shits and gigs, would I check it out? Yeah, but it to me, that's definitely, absolutely, 100% way off kilter and not the same as being able to experience it because we're experiential, we're experiential travelers over here, right? Because remember, travel is more than vacation. So it's not about just showing up someplace and seeing it. It's about immersing yourself in what it is. It's about... um navigating who you are in respect to where you are. It's about figuring out whether or not, you know, you get to be the same you when you get back home. Like when you leave a new experience, how much of the old you is still the same? How much of the new you or how much of, you know, yourself do you want to decide to keep the same, change, Um, or maneuver differently about with. And for me, that is like the excitement of travel is that it's something about, I personally hate the unknown. It's a very sore spot for me in a space of very much so um, increased levels of anxiety. However, when I travel, something about the unknown in travel is exhilarating to me. Not the unknown in terms of, is this nigga a killer? That's not what I'm saying. I'm saying like, ooh, there's a cave. Ooh, I've got on my walking shoes. Let's explore. Um, So within reason, because I know that I definitely did some cave exploring in Bermuda, but the cave was on the grounds of my hotel. So it's not like I had traveled like, you know, three hours from where I was staying and just randomly walked into a hole in the ground and, you know, fuck it, let's give it a try. I was actually on the hotel grounds and there are there's a cave system that is um, accessible from there. But like, 
I was terrified, but I still fucking did it because I felt like there was a level of safety with me having very strong awareness of where I was. Excuse me. I was able to confirm I had service for at least some spots in the cave, mostly closer to the entrance, of course. Um, but you know, I weighed my options, felt like it was a good fucking idea. That seems to be the case in a lot of my travel experiences. You weigh your options real quick. Let's see, where am I at? Mm, let's go for it. So the unknown definitely does not scare me as much when I'm traveling. But when I'm home, I'll sit and overthink and then think myself out of doing something just because it's just like, I don't, I don't know who all's over there. I don't know how this is going to end up. And... With that in mind, it's kind of like you don't have or you don't have to have an understanding of what kind of virtual experience you're going to get. What if when you purchase your package, you include that I want surprises. I want some razzle dazzle in mind. I want you to, you know, it really is one of those, this is kind of like an imagination kind of thing because I've never done. So somebody, I don't remember who it was. I don't know if it was my brothers or my dad. Somebody had those, um, those goggles. They weren't necessarily, they were VR. It was, Oh, I don't know my, I know you watching this one. You know what I'm talking about? Because they definitely gave me the goggles and put like the scary option on. It was, um, I think it was, was it the Annabelle house or was it one of those, it's one of those Annabelle, uh, esque universe stories. I, I hadn't seen those movies. Everybody, but me did in my immediate family. And it was like, yeah, 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 put it on. And you're walking, you're just looking at a room and you're seeing different people and chairs and, you know, stuff in the room and then shit jumps out at you and all that kind of stuff. So yeah, that was cool. That was fun. You don't know what's going to happen. You don't know what's going on. It's just like whatever little effects and mini story they want to give happens. But, you know, the unknown is something that weighs differently for me in my experience weighs differently for me when I am in a different space, when I have that opportunity and that luxury of, you know, making decisions in a new environment. Whereas if I'm experiencing VR at home, I know I'm still home. So, and I know that outside of me walking into a wall or me like, you know, punching the back of a chair, you know, like some kind of, mishap that can go wrong when you're in a room ignoring the stuff that is in very real life right in front of you um outside of that unknown and that excitement I'm still in a box and I'm still in my house like I'm still in my room or I'm still you know in a location that'd be another thing like what are the environments that you have these VR rooms in like you know how you go to those um puzzle rooms what do you call them like escape rooms when you go to an escape room you know you're not blindfolded or anything well he's not the ones that I've been to you're not blindfolded or anything like you've got free range you can move but you're in a confined space like if you go to a VR space and do one of these virtual experience travel um moments if you will do they put you like in a padded room so that you don't like walk into hard walls or so that you don't like trip over like I don't really know that's part of where my hesitancy in thinking that it would be anywhere near what I'm able to experience in real life because it's not just you know seeing and hearing it's feeling it's the smell of the salt and from the ocean it's the taste of local foods and local drinks. I love a good local beer. I love a good craft beer. Just a local beer. It doesn't have to be craft. Um, I love a good um, local drink. Like the, what is it? Stormy weather or something storm in like Bermuda. Uh, Guadalupe is also very rum um, heavy. A, a lot of islands are rum, sugarcane. Um, but... You know, I personally 
enjoy a lot of things because of the energy I feel that I am present in and the energy I'm able to say um, exchange. I know that there are stories in the walls of really old fucking buildings. I know that there are stories in, you know, the windows of old homes. There are stories in the trees of a national park. And those are all things that are important to me when I travel. And I know that I wouldn't get that same experience had I, you know, done it during or uh, in the confines of a virtual world. So I don't know y'all, the, the taste of a food that, you know, you will never eat again because you don't like it. Like I always said, like, I didn't like coconut water, but I felt like, "Mm, have I had it from an actual coconut before? Then I wouldn't say that I didn't like coconut water till I had an actual fucking coconut with, I drank from a coconut and I'm just like, I'm trying my straw is in here. I'm walking along. It was in Thailand. And I'm just like, I don't know, maybe the coconuts in fucking Jamaica tastes better, but this one here, I don't like it. Not from a box, not from a bottle, not from an actual coconut. And I know that because I was there, I've done it. I experienced it. I don't like coconut water. Um, so without being able to taste it, do it myself, do I really like it or do I like what you're selling me? And what choices do I have? I feel like my choice, like your choices are always, I won't say always. I feel as if, if you are presented with a package, the same way you're presented with a book or a song or a body of work, your choices are limited to the information that is given to you, to the information and the, um, ideas that are packaged. So, Granted, those same limitations exist in the world. Like if you are in a bowling alley, there is not necessarily going to be a stage or a pool table or a swimming pool. Like it's a bowling alley. So the information that is in front of you is in alignment with what is available at a fucking bowling alley. So I'm not saying that if you go to the beach, you know, it's not like packaged. It's a beach. You're not necessarily going to find, um, a lake. You're not going to find, um, a parking lot while the parking lot may be near a beach. If you're at the beach, your experience is the beach, not a, um, I'm trying to think of things that wouldn't be on a beach. And I keep thinking of things, well, it could be right by the beach. That could also be, you know, adjacent to the beach. Something that wouldn't be adjacent to the beach. Um, Or like I said, you're not going to be at a beach and then a lake. Mm. Partial pause there because big enough lake, you're going to have the effect of a beach. But you're not at a pond if you're at a beach. While there may be a shore, it's not a beach. See where I'm going here? So while there are things that are definite, that are finite, that are what they are, there's something about being there in person and being able to, you know, experience all of your senses that makes me feel like you have more choices. There are more options available to your disposal when you're there in person. And I don't feel as if I would get that in person and I mean in a VR experience but is my take on what I would get from a virtual experience enough to like completely discredit first of all the answer is no I'm gonna start there but so let me rephrase that then I don't think that my personal feelings on what a virtual experience would be for me would be enough to say or to imply that a VR vacation or a virtual um, experience would not be beneficial or that it would not be of value to someone. Because like I mentioned at the top of the episode, people that have limited mobilities, 
really old people, people that have immune systems that just aren't compatible with, you know, travel, someone that is sick and shut in. You could be on your, you know, your dying breath. You could be dying. You know what I mean? Like it's a natural part of life. We all die, but you know, some people, unfortunately, you know, have the experience where they know when their time, not necessarily the day or the hour, but you know that you're closer to your end than not. And it's not necessarily easy for a lot of people in those spaces to travel, whether it be an emotional um, pause, whether it be a mental pause that is keeping you from wanting to go out and about. The idea of a virtual experience may be, you know, acceptable or comfortable enough for people at different stages in life where they're unable to or unwilling to travel. So just because I don't think that I would get the same from a virtual experience that I would from an in-person experience absolutely doesn't mean that I um, think that it would be pointless. I think that the overall idea of it is bigger than my idea of it. I think that my thoughts on what my experience would be definitely do not, um, I won't say suggest they don't, um, my thoughts, my wishes aren't enough to stop anybody else's back. I feel as if, if it's beneficial to some, it should be available for those, some for them to fucking benefit just because, you know, I can't, Oh, if they were to absolve student loans, I'm almost done with mine. Amen. Um, But, or if they were to absolve student loans for future students, just because my loans don't get absolved, just because I don't get a free college uh, education, doesn't mean that that's still not beneficial to kids that are waiting to go to college or to kids that are currently in college. You know what I mean? Just because it ain't popping for you don't mean it ain't popping for somebody else. So in that sense, I absolutely think that virtual travel should be developed. I think that there should be more um, advancements and growth in the field so that people that are unable to or unwilling to still have access to the rest of the world. Consider that that could still open somebody's mind and expand somebody's point of view outside of what they're used to. There are plenty of people that who haven't left their own neighborhoods, that haven't left their own city, let alone their own state, let alone their own country. And I know and I can feel how vastly different a person I've been able to be because I tap into the experiences that I have when I'm traveling. And while someone else may not be able to have those exact same experiences, first of all, no one's going to have the same experience that you're going to have because you're unique to yourself. I'm not going to have the same experience that you're going to have. It's just what it is. It's the beauty in individualism. But the way that I've been able to grow from having um, seen and experienced things that I was unable to experience in my hometown, I think that someone virtual or not being able to experience something that would only be accessible to them if they were able to get halfway across the world or you know a quarter of the way across the world is still worthwhile for those people. And the privilege of me being able to hop on a plane or get in my car and go somewhere does not extend to all and it should not stop others from, you know, experiencing it. I absolutely hope that there are improvements and advancements in travel just because I can see how great this can possibly be for so many people. Um, what else did I have here to wrap this up? <laughs> No, that was pretty much it. Check me out. I was a really, uh, <laughs> go me. Um, lacking sense of, yeah, it was just like the lacking a sense of stimulation. That was the final touch. Firsthand experiences, difference between. Yeah. So I think that this conversation really made me, um, and I say conversation, it's really just me running my mouth here, but I feel as if I'm talking with you all and I am. So pause on the, con- on the conversation. Here we go. 
I am full of ideas. I have a thousand ideas on any given day. And I have thought of so many different ways to grow out the podcast or, you know, different arms and different tangents. And, you know, I ruminate with ideas. I just don't know what you guys would be interested in. So this is me asking you what you're interested in. I have listeners from all over the world, all over the country. And I know that regionally, everything is different, right? Different interests, different priorities. We're all different people, different personalities. I am very curious as to, especially for those of you that have been listening for a while, what am I not doing that you want to see? What is something that I have done that I haven't done in a while that you want to see more of? Talk to me. I have a lot of ideas, but I am a little bit hesitant to, you know, start doing new stuff if you guys are here with me, you're loving what I got going on and love what I have, um, what I'm doing, or do you want to see some of what I've got churning in the back of the wheels in my mind? Hit me up, send me an email, dcarrie, D-C-A-R-R-I-E at travelandshippodcast.com. And that's T-R-A-V-E-L, the letter N-S-H-I-T-P-O-D-C-A-S-T dot com. That's my email, dcarry at travelandshippodcast.com. So shoot me an email. Let me know what you like. Let me know what you don't like. Let me know if you had something in mind that you wanted to see, because I'm thinking that it might've already crossed my mind. But if I see that there's an interest in it, I can push go and steam ahead. Um, I will be dipping and dabbling with a couple of the ideas I had just to give it a fucking shot, right? Not gonna know if you don't like it. I'm not gonna know if you do like it unless I fucking do it. But I'm curious to see um, what your what your take is. So please shoot me an email and talk to me about what your... Um, and I also have a... Listener survey, by the way, uh, you can go to, where is it? I want to say it's on travel and um, it's on the website. Well, by the time you listen to this, it'll be on the website if it ain't already. So you can go to travelandshippodcast.com and the tab that, um, tell you exactly what the tab says. The tab that says about and then you go all the way down to ways to support TNS. There are um, a bunch of different like affiliate links and shit like that, uh, platforms that I use if you have a podcast or if you're thinking of starting a podcast. Um, a lot of the different platforms and things that I use are on there. So check that out. But I will absolutely add the listener survey. I thought I had it on here, but it's looking like... Maybe I don't. So I will update that. Also, I have a newsletter. I'm all excited about it. I got good feedback from the first one. Um, it's monthly at this point because we're going to start slow. Monthly newsletter. So I sent one out for December because we're already in December. And uh, I'll be sending one out come in come January, obviously, monthly. And we'll see if you guys continue to enjoy that. Thank you for, uh, you know, responding. You can always just email me back to the emails. I see you and I answer back. So um, I would like to hear what your thoughts are. I would like to, you know, oh, there it is. Nope, that's it. You know, that, that wasn't it. That wasn't it. I thought I saw it here. Um, it's the about ways to support, uh, travel and shit TNS. So, um, yeah, virtual reality. Welcome to the future. We're here. And I think that it could possibly be a really, really great, um, step for people who do not have the same access that some of us do to 
really has happened to some of the benefits that travel has, um, you know, just being, cause look at the way we look at magazines, right? You look at a magazine and you, you see something, you're just like, Oh shit, this looks great. I want to visit. And sometimes you say, Oh, I probably wouldn't visit that, but this is an interesting topic. This is an interesting concept. I didn't consider this. Let me read more about it. How many times have, has your interest been piqued or sparked by, you know, a little dibble or a taste of something that you've had in one space? So I'm all for virtual travel. I don't think that I would necessarily opt for virtual travel over real life travel, um, pandemic and all. I think I would, I know that I would still prefer real life travel over virtual travel, safe, real life travel, masking up, hand washing. Oof! consider that not every country has, and not every, um, area of a lot of countries you go to have the same access to running water and hand washing and soap and hot water and just indoor plumbing and, you know, shit like we do here in the States. Uh, so limits within the real life pandemic travel as I've been doing, but I still would absolutely prefer real life. All right. So all of that being said, I am very excited to hear from you guys. Um, and I hope you enjoyed this little convo on future travel, virtual reality and where it stands in travel. Um, I will include the article, that I referenced in the episode is the National Geographic article from 2020. And uh, it was a relatively short read. I think it was like five minutes, 10 minutes or something like that. I stopped and went back to it, had conversations and came back. So it's, but it's easy. And um, I enjoyed it and it really got my wheels turning. Hope you guys enjoyed this one. Um, Don't forget travel is more than vacation and keep that in mind when you're thinking about what the future of your travels look like. Thanks for joining me guys. And I'll see y'all next week. Bye.